All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to episode 14 of SCAR with Dustin Rivenbark. And SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption. Now, let me tell you a little bit of the intent of the podcast, kind of the why are we here? And we're here to work out our trials, hardships in such a way that we can see God's glory and begin to unfold his plan for our lives. But you may be listening and you may be wondering, what exactly, though, what does this have to do with me? Why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, guys, is because we all have issues like like plain and simple. We all have stuff, right? Whether whether big or small, uh, it's there. This could be this could be work related. This could be family related. Um, this could be something as simple as you've had a bad week. You walk outside and you have a flat tire and it sets this whole new trajectory for your day. And the truth is this stuff, this junk, if you will, will sort of uh, can accumulate and totally change the trajectory of our lives if you allow it to. So it's so important that we have an avenue to be able to um, a foundation to be able to filter those thoughts and, and all of that. And today I am super, super delighted. Uh, I've got a really great guest. His name is Eric Christensen. Uh, say hey, Eric. Hey, hey, Dustin. How you doing? <laughs> so uh, I'm so excited to have you on, Eric, guys. Let me tell you a little bit about Eric. Um, he is a seven-time Southwestern Emmy Award recipient. Uh, who's uh, docu- He's a documentarian. He, he creates these films and... Uh, about the impact of trauma on individual on individuals on families communities he's a trauma survivor himself and so i am i am super excited you guys know my story i've shared a little bit with eric um eric tell us just a little bit about your story and how we got to here wow dustin thank you and thanks for having me on the show this is absolutely awesome. you know it's a, it it's um Gosh, it's a crazy time for all of us right now and, and, and the world. And, um, you know, my story reflects exactly what we've talked about, what we were talking about, is how God has this ability to turn these seemingly tragic situations into the biggest gifts in our life. And, you know, and that's, <laughs> I hate to say, I'm kind of excited about what's going on right now, but in a way I am because God has a plan. And that's the first thing I want to say. You know, to all of us believers right now, we have to like stay away from that craziness and everything that's going on and, and stay close. And, you know, my pastor is like, you know, this is his plan and uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. It's like, what's our faith like, you know? And, um, but my story is about that, you know, my story is about, and, and your story is about how God can turn these seemingly tragic things into into the biggest gifts, you know, and how, how does that apply to me and my story is, you know, I've been making movies since second grade. Wow. And, uh, and I started working professionally since then. And there's, there's nothing I've ever wanted to do more than that. And, you know, I remember growing up <clears throat> and I say second grade, cause I made some before that, but second grade was the first movie I made with the script and everything. And I remember as a kid, I remember this distinctly when I had my little regular eight camera film, you know, and uh, running around making my movies, I'm like, man, I, I feel I have some sort of message, 
you know, but God had, God had put it in my heart, but I didn't know what it was yet, you know, and it took a long time to kind of uncover that. And God has crazy ways of uncovering these messages he hides in us, you know, from the minute that we're born, he has a plan for us. And, uh, so basically, you know, I, I worked professionally from second grade on and, and, uh, around 1990, you know, I'd been working in the industry for a couple decades by then. And, uh, I was an editor. I was doing a lot of music videos and big commercials and things, but on June 27th of, uh, of 1990, uh, the painted cave fire disaster in Santa Barbara came to life and took my home and uh, along with 400, 400 other homes in Santa Barbara. And, uh, at that time it was, uh, it was one of the bigger fire disasters and that, that all happened in less than 24 hours. It was a fire storm. And, uh, you know, I was, I was sharing a house with my mom. She had the upper floor. I had the lower floor and, um, but that fire, just, you know, three months earlier, the fire department had come through and looked at the house and said, Hey, you're fire safe. You know, you have a defendable space. All this is fine. But, um, like the Titanic, uh, yeah, like the Titanic, it was unsinkable. Right. But they weren't, they weren't, you know, we, we, I think, and again, I, I like to reflect what's going on now. This, what's going on now puts us in, it puts things in perspective. You know, we're, we're not, we're not in charge, you know, and that fire came and, you know, the fire department and everything, we had done all the work, but man, that fire still came and, and demolished and incinerated my home. And, um, man, after that, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty angry. And I, I, I kind of lost contact with, well, I did lose contact. I didn't really have any context for how God had done this. You know, I just got real mad and I was already drinking alcoholically before it. So, I mean, I started drinking at the fire and my drinking just took off. And, uh, for about seven months, I was a very angry, lost person. I couldn't drink enough to, to stay drunk and I can not drink. And, uh, the woman that's my wife now um, gave me this card to this guy, Don R and said, if you're sick of doing this, why don't you go see him? You know, and I, I was, I was, I was to my knees, you know, and, and, and God has a way of like taking us all the way down so we can hear his message. And unfortunately that's just the way it works. Right. right. <laughs> you know, we're, we're hard headed and all through the Bible, there's hard headed people that have to be knocked into position. And I was knocked into position and, uh, went to go see this other guy and uh you know he had this he had this program he introduced me to that a lot of other recovering gentlemen started going to and um you know i uh more important than the little outpatient thing i did but i i got involved with this community of men and uh and women but mainly i stuck with the men and uh you know january 13th 1991 was my first uh sober day and wow. uh january 1st 19 what 91 91 yeah. all right so you know i've been clean and sober now for uh 29 years to the grace of god in AA. and fantastic and you know i worked out a little deal with god god said you know what i'll give you a daily reprieve from this obsession with alcohol but here's what you have to do mm-hmm. you have to help somebody else and and I had no idea what that looked like. You know, I, I understood from uh, my program, it, it was to help another alcoholic, uh, alcoholic, but God had way bigger plans than that. Not that that isn't a huge plan. That's my primary purpose. Right. Is right. to help uh, another, 
alcoholic suffering, which I do. I, but, uh, man, now, you know, at that point, seven months in, I started to get a little glimpse of that fire was a gift. I, I don't know how many other people had an opportunity to have their lives pretty much the slate wiped clean. All my, all my high school yearbooks, all the movies I made since the second grade were all burnt, except for maybe a, a, a small couple I found later in the um, storage unit. But, uh, man, it was actually an opportunity looking back on it now because at that time I started my first film that I'd, uh, I'd been an editor up until then. And I started directing my first film called Faces in the Fire. And it was about the recovery of, uh, of, the, uh, of other individuals that had went through that fire. I, I became fascinated by the fact that the survivors themselves, we could talk to each other and communicate really well. But to try to communicate that to the outs- to outside world, to like normies, I guess you would say, yeah, was very difficult. So um, I started naivety, uh, naively. I started this um, this film, and uh, we finished it in time for the one-year anniversary of the Pinna Cave Fire and the we showed it through the American Red Cross to the community of Santa Barbara, and there was a considerable amount of healing that started happening around this film. And the people in the film I could see were blossoming, and it changed my it changed my life. So this film, you started this film, this film um, right after your sobriety. That's when you started this film. Exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, so you so- just took everybody on a tour, basically of of um of of the addict lifestyle of the of the the pain and the and the devastation that this type of thing can cause and what recovery looks like is that is that what the gist no no the film was mainly and it's it's interesting because that was my my understanding of recovery and that innate recovery that we have in inside of us from trauma was the basis of the film but the film was about other survivors, other survivors of the fire and their recovery. I got you. you. Okay. And so um, my films generally do not have a lot of that, what I would call the incident, what I would call the traumatic incident. It's mainly based on what happens after. And so that film was, that was film was about the nine months after the fire, about the rebuilding, about the healing and uh, about us finding each other and that we weren't alone in, in what we we're going through. And I, I believe, and this comes out in all my films, I believe God has a way of us recovering from trauma and grief, much like when we get a scratch or we get a, um, you know, a burn or something, like a scratch, it, it, it yeah. will heal over. We get our scab and then it, he, he has a plan in our heart, in our soul, that's just similar to that it, it, so, it, for us to heal from trauma. And so we all heal very similar. So you said something a second ago that was, that was striking to me. You said that you almost had a fresh start. Okay. And this is what's, uh, I, I, I think there's something in the mental, in, in the mental state, something in the mentality. Uh, what makes someone view the fire? Meaning the trauma, the whatever it was for you, it was a fire for you. Uh, 
uh, it was family members for me. It could be something else for someone else. What does that fire? You, you said that you pretty much lost everything from before, but it gave you a clean slate, almost like a renewing fire. Fire is a renewal um, thing. We, we set fields on fire to burn off all of the trash and the junk and the stuff. And it's almost like a, like a rebirth, if you will. So, so explain a little bit about what you mean as far as it was a, a fresh start afterwards. Well, there was, there was nothing. Part of it was psychological and part of it was physical. The physical part was that literally my possessions and things were all gone. The things that were tying me to my past were all gone. And so I would constantly wake up having dreams of finding all this stuff that had burned up. But it, it, that was just a dream. It wasn't, it wasn't real. But that was a very physical, real part that all that stuff was gone. Mm-hmm. But psychologically, then, my connection with my past and that whole past was was something that it disconnected me from i had a brand new beginning i mean it was literally being reborn wow you know and and god had this plan and and it just it's still every day it's reinforced to me that this was part of god's plan but going back to that rebirth it was yeah it was a rebirth coming out of that fire because all it broke i i say i have two different beginnings you know my life before the fire, my life after the fire. Wow. I mean, it was literally changed everything. So you have a new film now, Unmasking Hope. Can you tell us a little bit about Unmasking Hope? Oh, definitely. Um, In Between Faces in the Fire and Unmasking Hope were two films. One was uh, Homecoming, a Vietnam Vets Journey. And then searching for home, coming back for more. And each one was a progression in my connection with working with promise survivors, which ended up being my calling coming out of that fire and doing that first film, Faces in the Fire. Each film led to a logical progression to to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And with uh, Homecoming, that was my uh, homecoming of Vietnam Vets journey. That was my introduction to the veterans community. I went on a motorcycle run from California to the wall in Washington, D.C. with one of my closest friends and my mentor, Bob Trimble. And uh, it was the first time that he had been across the United States into the wall on his bike with 300 other veterans. And I I made a film about that. And again, it was one of those things that changed not only the people in the film, but it it changed me. Wow. And uh, so that got me hooked again. That was 10 years after Faces in the Fire. Then I did, 10 years later, I did Searching for Home, Coming Back from War, which was the logical extension of Homecoming of Vietnam Vets Journey and revisiting the veterans. But this one was even more diverse. It had World War II veterans. It had Korean veterans. And it had the guys returning home now and the Vietnam veterans. And I found through that that there was such strong similarities in between, say, the Korean vet that uh, 
a Purple Heart Korean Marine veteran and this female veteran with military sexual trauma that, that from Iraq, it, it was amazing that their healing was so similar. And it goes back to what I said, God has a plan for our healing. Yeah. And so I'm like, this is amazing to be able to put this, this film together and see these similarities, see these ties in their story. So after searching for home, coming back from war and finding all these similarities between what seems so diverse and so disparate from the, from the Korean veteran to this female veteran that just returned home, that their healing was so similar, that film then went on to air 2,300 times on public television, and it instigated so much healing. We came back to the drawing board and we're like, okay, what are we going to do next? And that's where Unmasking Hope came up. And it, it draws from that idea that we all heal the same. So it's even more diverse than my other work. It has 9-11 survivors, mass shooting survivors, sexual trauma survivors. It has first responders. And so the idea is that I tell one central story about the truth, what happened, the healing. It's the point that you discover somebody else has went through what you went through you get into community and start to heal and the hope which is the people that have gotten a significant amount of healing they go back to the beginning to the people that are just discovering and going through the trauma and the truth and help them so there's there's been a whole lot of study you've had to do on this and a whole lot of uncovery and a whole lot of discovery uh, you've worked on on films and commercials from uh, Discovery Channel, TLC, PBS, MTV, IMAX Films, the whole gamut. All right. And what you've discovered is that we all heal the same. Now, I watched the trailer um, for Unmasking Hope, and I just got to say, wow, wow. Like, we're not talking about small peas here. This is this is well done professional work. Kudos to you. Um, You talk about something very interesting, this whole idea of masking. Can you, can you explain the masking concept that you use in your, in your film? That's a great question. With Unmasking Hope, not only are we telling the central story of healing with really diverse trauma survivors, but we're telling the story of how individuals use masks. And so it's a very strong metaphor, but for anybody that have went through a a severe trauma, we, we put on a mask sometimes just to get through our day, you know, just to survive. And, and, and there's stories of, you know, the mom that has went through a severe trauma, lost her husband, et cetera, et cetera. And, and she puts on that mask just so she can get the sandwiches made, get the kids to school, do this and this. And God's given us that mask to use so we can get through certain things. Mm-hmm. But also what happens, though, is that mask can go beyond its useful, um, its useful uh, purpose. As in um, what I'm saying is we get into uh, workholism, yeah. alcoholism, addictions, then that mask becomes something that gets glued to ourselves and becomes a very big negative. And it's this film, Unmasking Hope, it's about the people losing those masks that are getting to the point of healing where um, 
they can they can take that mask off. That mask cracks a little bit, and it's it's about getting beyond that mask and getting underneath that mask to a certain amount of healing that that mask is no longer needed. And so the the metaphor is, for the is, film unmasking hope is huge. This is a major. Um, I, I mean, this is huge. This is this is just a major concept uh, to to humanity. To, to how we're wired, how God has made us, um, you, you know, to be able um, to speak about all of these different trauma survivors. There's there's so many different aspects. There's so many different situations here. How can you speak about this in a unified message? How do you how do you make this so unified? when all of the, the, the different situations are so vastly different? You know, <laughs> you know, that's a good question. And, and uh, you know, the answer to that is I really let go when I'm actually, if we're talking about the mechanics of making the film, I have to let go. And I have to know that God's putting together a big puzzle through me and I'm the messenger. For example, you know, I'll, I'll be interviewing a 9-11 survivor. And then she'll start talking about her parents and her parents being um, Holocaust survivors. And then she starts talking about her connection when she went to Auschwitz to seeing the shoes and how much that really struck her. And I'm sitting in that interview going, why are we talking about this whole thing? I'm not too sure where this is going, but I've learned in making my films that there's there's a certain sacredness to the interviews that I have to be open and transparent and accept what they're telling me. And and then it'll show up later. And so with this story, I'm like, okay, great. We have a great story. We have a 9-11 story. And then I come back to the edit suite and I get a call from my publicist later going, oh, there's this woman. She's a child. She was a child Holocaust survivor. And so I go have lunch with her and she starts telling me these stories and I'm like, oh, God had me, this is, this is a year later. Yeah. He had this plan that I'm going to go interview this child Holocaust survivor and it's going to draw in the story between 9-11 and the Holocaust. And I'm like, this is crazy. But that's just like one like obvious part is when I, when I have literally a dozen different interviews from veterans, World War II veterans, a tail gunner from uh, uh, World War II. And then, then I have a, a Navy corpsman, you know, that uh, lost his leg from an IED. And I'm doing these interviews during it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how is this ever going to fit together? You know, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And then I get in the edit suite and I get the transcripts and I start to edit and, and they start fitting together. So how does this unified idea come apart, come, uh, come about? It's just it's just me letting go because God has a message, I believe, and I become the messenger. I don't like being called a filmmaker. I'd rather be called a healer or a messenger. Love it. And Love I just that. let this stuff happen. And and if you watch Searching for Home, Coming Back from War, it's on iTunes, Google Play. We all have a lot of time to watch it now. Watch that and see how these like seemingly disparate stories like bookend with each other and 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 and, and connect with each other. And, you know, I, I can't, I, I gotta just, I, I can't resist this is it shows that we're all so much. God has created us so equally and so similarly. 
And and what we're seeing in the world right now, <laughs> people in China get sick the same way. So people so have the same fears, and it comes back to like people have the same needs and wants. We're all basically God's created us all the same. So so let me ask you this: with um, what we're talking about right now, in case somebody does happen to hear this podcast later, uh, this epidemic, this pandemic that we're in right now, we are in the midst, in the thick of COVID-19. And so we've alluded to that a few times in here. What We're talking about mental health, all right? We're talking about an overall mental health, whether it's drug addiction, traumatic events, all of that. How can that whole idea of this pandemic? How how what kind of weight does this does does this stuff have on our on our mental health? Oh my gosh! I mean, it's it's twofold. Number one, we all have to realize that this is a form of trauma that we're going through a very traumatic situation uh, between the parents, the kids. We're all being traumatized on one level. And, and to accept that and realize that it, it's, it's real. I mean, part of, the, part of the biggest thing with healing and part of the biggest thing in accepting trauma is accepting the truth of the situation. And that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. But one thing, you know, on, that I'd like to say is one of the biggest things we can do during pers- times of personal trauma and times of that we're hurting a little bit is to reach out to others. And I can tell you when, when the prescription to something is isolation, that's very worrisome to people that have mental health issues because isolation is, is their go-to in normal times. Now to be, have the prescription to isolation. And then on top of this trauma, some of these people can get into very, very tough situations. So all I'm saying is, to, to all our friends out there, brothers and sisters and everybody, you know, check on those people that you know that are having a hard time. Reach out. You know, I've been, I've been texting and calling all my veteran friends yeah. and uh, making sure all the people from Unmasking Hope that I've come in contact with, that, that they're doing okay, that we have some sort of communication because, um, man, it's – and for people in recovery – that are, are going through recovery, reach out to your community in any way you can, you know, it's like, get on that phone list, you know, that you have, everybody has a phone list and there are zoom meetings for AA and all the other 12 step groups too. That's right. So let me tell um, you guys, I kind of uh, turn that uh, into a PSA, but listeners, it's so important. I- for you listeners out there, Zoom, we're on Zoom right now. This is how we're doing this meeting. He's in California. I'm here in Alabama. And Zoom is a great tool, guys. Use it. Use it. It's at your it's at your fingertips. It's at your disposal right now. And uh and we're we're able to have a face-to-face conversation across the United States. It's a it's a it's a great thing. But go ahead, Eric. So I, I can't emphasize enough the different levels of that and, and just to accept the fact that we are going through a traumatic time, but also you know, it, it just for us believers and non-believers that th- there's a reason for this, you know, and uh, and there if there will be a silver lining, if we let there be a silver lining, it, it, it lots becomes about our mental uh, mindset and our attitude. 
And one way to get out of that, you know, out of that pity or out of that fear is to reach out to the others that might need help. And it's as simple as a text or a call. That's yeah. really what it is. Hey, I'm you know, thinking wife, about you. And I, I've been trying to do that as much as possible. My wife has gotten me into, into my wife has been so intentional, Eric, about, about reaching out to uh, former students, reaching out to family members, reaching out to friends, reaching out to people um, that, that she just wants to stay in contact. We're not able to go see them. We're not able to go do these things. So she wants to say, Hey, I love you. Hey, I'm thinking about you. Hey, I'm, I'm still involved in your life, even though that physical separation is there and you touched it. And I think you just knocked it out of the park that people with mental health issues, we are now giving them a prescription to isolation. You know, that's Man, that's something I haven't even taken the time. Me, I, I'm a former uh, drug addict myself. I lost my mother to a drug overdose and all of this. And so we're now giving these people a blueprint to isolation. And so um, just finding that center, that encouragement, that that um, we must, we were created to be relational beings. This is so huge and vital that we keep ourselves in each other's lives. We have to. But you know what? Here's here's the irony. We're talking about, you know, how God turns a, you know, finds a silver lining to everything. Aren't we already talking about the silver lining is reaching out and saying, I love you. And like, man, this is like pretty delicate, a whole life situation. You know, I really need to tell this person that, you know, you know, I love them, you know, and it's just like. And it's already the start of that. So we can see it in two different ways, you know, but we can look at that and go, oh my gosh, this has really made us look at that and, and how relational and relationship based we are and how important it is. You know, man, I got to tell you, I went to one of my, um, one of my, uh, my A meetings online and uh, seeing some of the men that, uh, you know, I walked this path with on the screen I got, I got teary eyed. Yeah. I'm like, man, I had no idea. Even the guy that bugs me, (laughs) I had no idea what he meant to my heart now that I can't see him. So it's like, wow. Okay. God. So I'm seeing, I'm seeing this now. I'm seeing the fact that you take, it's a classic thing. They say, you know, you never know how much something means to you until it's not there in front of you. Man, that's you know, so true, Eric. Uh, I mean, you never so even people that bug me, I look yes. and I go, God, I miss you, dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I miss you. I miss that that little twerk yeah. you had that made me want to put my yeah. hands around your neck. But yeah, you you know, and so with with all of this, you have found a way to tap into that trauma and 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 be able to bring healing to to many, many people uh, uh across the globe, man. And and so how do you how do you think or how do you want your films to impact people when they sit there when they sit back and they come to something like unmasking hope what do you what is it that you hope that they feel you know that's a great question and um what do i want people to come away with or what you know they say what's the takeaway what's the call call to action you know a lot of people have different words for it but what is that and for me you know, there is twofold for, uh, for my films. The first level is awareness. 
So if you don't really have, for, for example, with my veterans films or even with Unmasking Hope, if you don't, but particularly my veterans films, if you're watching that and you don't know any veterans and you're not really in the community, if you're watching Unmasking Hope, of course, you, don't, you might not know a 9-11 survivor. You might not know this or that. But the first level is awareness. To the people that are unconnected with the trauma, I want them to develop a sense of awareness. I want them to take the time for it to sink in, the images and what they're saying, to sink in. So it starts to change their heart a little bit. So yes. then empathy starts to come out and they can start to connect. They don't know anything about this soldier, about this, this 70-year-old Korean vet, but I want them to take the time and go, oh my gosh, he's just like me and start to develop that empathy. Wow. And through that empathy, when you're on the street and you see the veteran or the homeless vet, or you see the article about, quote, the crazy vet, or whatever, that you have a little bit of empathy, because you watch this film, awareness produces empathy, then in real life, hopefully, I pray that it produces tolerance. Then you're like, you see this vet, you see this, or you hear that, you know, that's not really the story for me. I don't know, you know, after seeing this film, I kind of have an inside view of this, da-da-da-da. And that empathy produces tolerance. That's one level that I, I want my films to operate on, that we become, we become a little bit more empathetic towards these individuals, and then it produces tolerance in society. The second level is very important, is if you're connected to the trauma, or even if you heavily relate to the trauma that you're watching in this individual going through, that those people can step back and go, wow, me too. Mm. And that's called identification. And then all of a sudden, I'm not alone. Right. Man, and this happens a lot with the veterans. And it happens a lot for people that are in isolation. But you watch this film and you go, man, I relate to that guy. I connected. He said something that's exactly how I feel. And it's like, me too. So that identification is so crazy powerful. And then they get to watch them talk about their feelings and walk through the healing and the hope. And then there's the inspiration. Man, if that guy can do it, I can do it. So it's like identification and then it's a healing. So those are the two different levels that I hope people take away from my films. Eric, I I love that, man. Like, I, I didn't even think about the tolerance side. We've become so, uh, especially the younger generation, uh, we're, we're just so intolerant of stuff we don't understand. And so uh, I, I think that that by watching these films and watching these documentaries and stuff, we can see a homeless man on the street, a veteran or whatever, and it, and, and it shed a whole new light into a world that we know nothing about, into, into a world that we don't understand. You know, it's unfortunately that lack of tolerance, I see it as a lazy heart. Yeah. Is that, that, you know, God asks us to risk, you know, he asks us to reach out and risk our heart and our feelings. It's so easy to see something or see a situation, see a difficult situation, you know, the homeless person, and then come up with just that snap sentence, you know, they should get a job. Oh, he's lazy. He's that. And it's just like, Instead of taking the time to open up your heart and go, wow, he was somebody's son. He was a little boy. 
Yes. He was this. He was that. And then go, oh my gosh, he's won me. He's, he's, he, God made him too. Yeah. God and, made him and too. That, that, like, yeah. that, that opens up your heart, and it, but it also makes you very vulnerable. It's, it's, it, it, but that's why I, I, it's almost lazy heart syndrome <laughs> because yeah. it's so much easier just to snap something off and go on your way. And so, I'm not perfect at it, but I try to take the time to understand. So tell me, uh, before we, before we close up out of here, tell me what hope means to you. You know, I have an interesting, that's a great question. You know, what hope means to me. And I have an interesting, um, definition of it. Not only is hope like a beacon and the light at the end of the tunnel to me, hope is a little bit even more developed. It's like hope version two, you know, and it's, and hope version two to me is when you've gotten to a certain point with your healing or to a certain point with something that you can go back and help the people that are just starting, putting that hand out to the people in the beginning of the line. That to me is really hope. That's like yeah. hope in all capital letters. You know, I, So I that means that. like, you know, at 29 years sober that, I'm willing to stick out my hand to a guy that has 24 hours and go, Hey dude, I've done this. Look right. at this, you know, and follow me. And I, you know, I, I, somebody else did that for me, you know, and offered that hope. And so to me, that's like hope that <laughs> that's hope. The masters, the doctors of hope, yes. you know, that the, and that's what hope means to me. It's reaching your hand out. Once you get to a certain extent on, on whatever your path is to help the guy that's at the beginning of the path. You know, I, man, there's so much wisdom in just that Eric being willing to step back uh, and help someone else that we, I mean, we were once there. We, 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 we know what it's like to be, uh, uh, to go through a hard time, to go through a hardship. And rather than just turning your back on someone, uh, actually tap into that. What did that feel like? What did that, what was that like for you? And, and being able to help actually bring someone up, you know, it's so much easier to pull someone down than it is to just pick someone up. It's so much easier, oh my gosh, yes. you know, and, and so uh, uh, being able to stand firm and actually be a brace and, 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 and something that somebody can lean on when they're hurt and, and being able to pull them out of that, that fire under God's grace and love and, and, and keeping God as our, as our center focus, sort of, I, I say our internal compass, you know, and allow him to use those pains, those hurts, those fears, all of that junk, allowing us to use all of that and pull us out of that fire and, and, and have the internal fortitude to help someone else through it. That is hope. That is hope. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, and so, I love it. And, and, and fortunately, you know, we, we live in this worldly world world, you know, we're, we're of the world, unfortunately. So, and, and, and it, it, it permeates us. So our first go-to, like you were saying, I love what you said. Our first go-to isn't usually that thought it's, it's to put somebody down. That's right. Our first right. go-to is like, Oh man, that, but it's, it, 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 we got to learn how to fight that and get into that empathy and then the tolerance and then reaching out and then it becomes hope. Somebody struggling <laughs> on this podcast right now, somebody listening or going through something, Eric, what do you, what do you tell them? Oh my gosh. The first thing is, is obviously it, it you know, 
you got to you got to seek out you got to seek out God. That's that's the first thing. But you know what? God in absentia is really tough sometimes. And the the other thing is seek out somebody else to like ask for help. Seek out community. Yes. And it's really hard to do right now. You know, with 12-step meetings closed down and our churches closed down and everything's on. Well, if the best thing you can do is get on Zoom and uh, and join your church and, and call somebody else, you got to reach out. And right now, I think, I think we're going to, unfortunately, I think this will come over. It'll blow over. Things will be, I don't know how long. I'm not going to put a time frame. But my biggest worry is there's going to be a second wave of the effect of what has happened with us, this isolation, you know, and so battle this isolation, try to help somebody else and connect. And that's what it is. It's like, find your community. And it's an extremely tough time to do that. You know, I think, but I do think, it. yeah, but do it, but do it like Nike. And, and, you know, uh, that's, th- those are, those are great words. And if somebody wants to get a hold of your films, where, where can we learn more about Eric? Where do we, where do we find out more about you? Well, the easiest way to find out more about me is at EC Productions, like Eric Christensen, ecproductions.com. That has everything about me. Um, you can go go to Unmasking Hope, the movie. It's unmaskinghopethemovie.com. Um, we're currently in uh, about 50% done. We're halfway done, and we're still seeking funding, and we're uh, under a 501c3 umbrella. So yeah. if you were to donate, you can write that off go unmasking hope the movie.com and then also you know we all have a lot of time so if you want to want to uh, pay a little bit of tribute to vets and connect is you can watch searching for home the uh, coming back from war searching for home coming back from war and it's on itunes google play amazon all those and uh and give it a watch and then um, throw a review or and or find out my um email and tell me what you think after you've seen it. Yeah, absolutely. And share it, share it, share it. Because like you said, um, we have the time guys, let's, let's get intentional. Let's get focused in uh, each other's lives. And I can't wait. I can't wait to see how this film plays out. I cannot, uh, I, I cannot wait to see the, uh, hear the stories of the impact and, and all of that. This is huge. Again, New York Times called this film strikingly photographed and sure to give comfort and support to countless veterans and their families. I mean, that that alone, I, I just I thank you for using your your tragedy and figuring out a way to turn it into triumph. I just I can't thank you enough for for joining us on this podcast um, and all of that. Just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dustin, because this is a perfect, perfect forum to chat about it. And, and I love what you're doing because my, my core belief is exactly what your show is about. Yes. And I will be, uh, I'll be sharing all these links and um, all of that, that you just mentioned uh, to where you guys can find out more about Eric Christensen. Um, He is an amazing storyteller and filmmaker and and so we're we're honored to have him on um ladies and gentlemen for scar um i just want to i just want to thank you guys um this has been an amazing podcast this is just an amazing guy Uh, i've loved hearing his story i've loved hearing how he's using um momentum after the fire right how he's using his stories his his clean slate 
after the fire to to help bring healing and hope to others, guys. And that's what we're called to do. And again, I just uh, I look forward to the to the rest of 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 these podcasts, these up and coming podcasts. But again, guys, thank you. Big shout out to Eric Christensen for his expertise in uh, trauma and what it does to the overall mental health. Guys, you heard it here. Go check out Eric Christensen and we'll talk to you in the next couple of days.